Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex and joined by my lovely co-host Shelly. How's it going, Shelly? It's going great, Serge. I tell you, every day, I can't wait to see what's happening on the news. Like, honestly, so much going on, right? Oh, there is so much going on in the world of recruitment. Oh. It's the craziest market that we've ever been in. I know. It's so fun. Speaking of great things happening in the recruitment space, I am really pleased to bring on Thad Price, who's the CEO of Talru. Thad, welcome to the show. Great to be here. Thank you for the invite. Absolutely. Our audience is always craving what's happening in technology. We are tasked with doing so much as, as talent acquisition practitioners. They just love it. So welcome to the show. And can you kick us off and tell us a little bit about your journey into the recruitment space? Yeah, happy to do it. Again, thanks so much for the invites. If we think about my experience, maybe similar to all of our experiences here, I apply to a newspaper ad. I was Early in my career, I was applying for jobs and I applied to a newspaper ad. This was outside of Northern Virginia and a recruitment company, job.com, one of the kind of typical job boards almost 20 years ago and started working at job.com in that first generation of what it means to be a job site. And I learned a lot as I looked at the future and I saw some of the trends happening in the industry, um, started thinking about what the next step is and how we can really embrace a consumer advertising approach in many ways in recruitment marketing and what that potentially could look like. That was my first step in recruitment advertising and with a job board. And you know, now of course at Taoru and I led product at Taoru and now uh, now leading it. And we have a terrific team and uh, we're just doing some amazing things. So happy to share a little bit more about it. Where is Taoru located? You're in Silicon Valley. We were, yeah. So originally we were in Silicon Valley. We were in Sunnyvale, our founder, engineer, Oracle engineer. And we moved about eight years ago from the Bay Area to Austin in the first wave of you know the Bay Area transplants <laughs> moving to Austin. It's been crazy the last few years as well. But that was eight years ago and we're based in Austin. We love it here. It's a great place. Terrific entrepreneurial spirit. In Austin, which is one of the things that attracted us, terrific talent pool, great work-life balance. It really just is a great town for innovative companies. What's interesting about Talru, as I was telling you in the green room, is I used to see your office because you're located right next to the Indeed office in Austin. So I've seen the name Talru, I've seen it advertised, and I've seen it across my journey in recruitment, but I've never really understood what Talru does. So can, can you break it down for us? Help us out a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So in the recruitment advertising world, there's been a movement to more of a programmatic approach and how we find job seekers and how we're more efficient at recruitment advertising. And we started looking at the industry and we said, what value can we provide that's different than the industry today? It was really about how we can help employers find job seeker audience that were unique and different. And early in our kind of first step as uh, Tauru, we operated a job site. We operated jobs2careers.com, which was how we created great relationships with a lot of job boards today. And so as we thought about the next step in that evolution of our company, we were thinking about the idea of audiences. We were thinking of the idea of programmatic and how we could provide a, a different approach. And so what we do today is focus on 
applicants. We focus on a target CPA where basically companies come to us, they're looking for top of funnel applicants. We can target a cost per application and all the systems that we're using is programmatic in how we're reaching those audiences and those talent audiences. So it's different in how we think about the world of a traditional job site in that there's a cost per application component to it. We're holding ourselves accountable for results. And also it's interesting in that we are programmatic in how we reach the right audience. So uh, an example is when an employer uses Tauru, we create a campaign, we group like jobs, similar to using Google AdWords. And we usually have a signal with an applicant tracking system. And when applicants are actually submitted into the applicant tracking system, there's a signal that we receive. And we use that signal to impact all of the placements and the audiences in which we're reaching. The the difference is that we've always been programmatic in our approach of how we help companies reach audiences. And Programmatic today, a lot of companies leverage programmatic within their agencies, uh, their recruitment advertising agencies, or within other platforms that companies may be using like PandoLogic or of course, AppCast. Our thought process is that it's really about being programmatic in the auction time and being programmatic at time to search and time to apply. So how can we use technology to be more efficient in our ecosystem that we're powering versus a platform to essentially distribute jobs to other job boards. Does that make sense? Because we're controlling that ecosystem. We're controlling the search. We're controlling that behavior and trying to find the audiences that make sense and then using all the data to inform the feedback loop. I now get it. Uh, I had a pretty good idea, but I didn't know how the journey to get there. So I think you explained it really well. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. So this year has already started right out of the gate, like a tidal wave of change. When we look at just the pressure that recruitment teams or talent acquisition is under right now, the supply and demand is off. It is such a challenge in many verticals, verticals that we traditionally would have needed a programmatic solution and you needed some sort of filter because you had just such a high volume of applicants and things right now that's not happening. So what's your thoughts and what's your take on the current labor market? And of course, I imagine you'd be speaking to America, but you know, even here in Canada, Europe, Australia, I think they're seeing similar. So what's your take on this? Yeah. Great question. I think we're seeing a behavior shift. There are a number of things that are driving a lot of this behavior. The first, especially where we spend a lot of our time is the essential worker market, you know, hourly market. And what we're seeing from that is, I would say probably five years ago or so, there were a number of marketplaces that just emerged. And these marketplaces were allowing job seekers to work when they wanted to work. So DoorDash, Uber, Lyft, Instacart, these systems that are there. Mm -hmm. And what we've seen over the last couple of years, and we found during the pandemic, is that there's a change in what's important for job seekers. Mm -hmm. Wages have always been very important, but flexibility is now in some cases as important when you're looking for work-life balance. And so I think in that market, what you're seeing because of an increase in demand by consumers using marketplaces to, to deliver goods, to food delivery, whatever that may be, I think that you're creating this trade-off of where people are looking at the clearing wage. I think there's this clearing opportunity that people are weighing you know, money 
flexibility and there's a calculus that's happening on what's important for job seekers today. And so there's a lot more opportunity for job seekers to work when they want, at least in that market, than there's ever been. And so you've even seen companies like Target, for an example, they purchased a company a few years ago, Shipped, and Shipped is a delivery company. Uh, you saw uh, IKEA purchasing uh, TaskRabbit. So what you're seeing is companies trying to figure out how to navigate this new world of work that is flexible. It's about balance. It's about all the things that we've all been talking about. And now because of more opportunity than ever, the job seekers are driving a lot of that change. Yeah, I think what we've seen is COVID has accelerated this shift to this new workforce that we haven't seen before. And flexibility has been the key, especially with the pandemic, with schools being closed in certain areas, and just the ability to work when you can work and when you want to work has changed the dynamic completely. One of the things that you talk a lot about is how recruiters should think like marketers. And this is not a new message to our audience because I think myself and Shelly have been talking a lot about this. But it's one that most organizations still don't follow. What initial steps should an organization start doing to change that mindset when in their HR or recruitment departments? I think it starts with conversations, working with a marketing team leader, a sales team leader, and just learning about their day. And I think it starts with a conversation around metrics. Hey, what metrics are you focused on as a sales and marketing leader? And what I think will suddenly happen is there'll be clarity around, well, those metrics are similar to my metrics. Yeah. Uh, or the steps in the funnel that's important to marketing and sales teams are very similar steps that should be important to talent acquisition teams and recruiting teams. Then from there, you read. And you learn a lot. You learn about marketing, you learn about advertising technology, all the things that are important and tools that are out there. And there's so many tools that marketing and sales teams are using today to be more efficient than ever. And it's only a matter of time before those tools are embraced, in my opinion. And they're already a lot of high flyers being embraced in the recruiting function. So I think it all starts with a conversation. What metrics are you using? What can I track? What is a sales and marketing uh, team tracking that maybe I'm not tracking to rethink my process? The successful recruiting teams that we've seen think about this journey that happens of a job seeker, the touch points. I'll give you a great example. In sales and marketing, we know that if a lead sits for hours or days, that lead from a value perspective or a close perspective deteriorates. And how many applicants are sitting in inboxes today and applicant tracking systems today that maybe we aren't contacting as fast as possible because it's a lead and we need to connect with that applicant. And it's important that we connect as fast as possible, just like a sales and marketing team tries to connect with an inbound lead within an hour. There are a lot of ways to think about that journey and think about how we can engage job seekers faster, especially in this market. So you bring up a good point. You talk about joining arms with our colleagues in sales and marketing. And I look at the tools they have in sales and marketing and I'm like, oh, that's great. Like HubSpot, what a great concept. Why can't that just be applied to the talent acquisition team? It's the same thing. Yet what we're given is applicant tracking systems that were built in, ah, 
I think I'll be generous and say 2011. And they were based on the whole thought that you actually need to screen people out. When you talk about marketing, you're talking about know your audience, know where these people hang out. How do you know in real time how to get your message about this job, this opportunity in front of them? But what we're working with here, especially big companies, are applicant tracking systems. People hate using them. They're so clunky. And you're only making me feel worse if you make me go talk to to sales and marketing and look at all the great sexy stuff they've got because they're a revenue generating part of the organization. So give me your thoughts around how can we bridge that? So this has been a forcing function in our industry, which I think if there's any time to have this conversation, it's now. Yeah. Anytime in the last 10 years, it's now. And it's because in every board meeting across the world, this conversation is happening. You know, you've had global enterprise companies share that they've lost hundreds of millions of dollars in not having enough team members. And when you're losing hundreds of millions of dollars or it's costing you hundreds of millions of dollars, then a conversation happens. And I think that's really important to think about. So the first I would say is this, to address your point, you're absolutely right. Can't tell you how many customers that we have that are embracing more of an easy apply process than their applicant tracking system because they realize the applicant tracking system was built for compliance, was built for screening, as you mentioned, and it's not built for a conversion process of converting into candidates. And so we have customers that leverage an easy apply process, then try to figure out how to get the applicant into the applicant tracking system, which is really interesting because you think that you buy and you invest in an applicant tracking system in order to make this easier for people. I think it's changing. Companies are having that conversation right now, but we need to be thinking about talent as a revenue center. And you mentioned it, that sales is a revenue center, but talent and the art and science of attracting talent Mm -hmm. is revenue center. Great people grow great companies. If we have this idea of talent as a revenue center and hiring as a revenue center, I think it helps reframe all of those discussions. So it's not easy. This is probably the time the conversations are happening. It's going to be a very exciting few years in in HR technology. So do you think what's holding this back as far as talent being seen as a revenue generating center, because it sits in HR and it's been such a standard thought process that HR is a compliance and process department. We've been advocating this for years, but I'd like to get your thoughts of splitting out HR and talent acquisition. I think so. In order to have the conversation, in order to ensure that you're actually making the investments that you need to attract the right talent to meet your hiring initiatives, you have to treat it separately. You have to think about it as a separate department. And it's why agencies are so important to this industry as well in helping to bridge that gap. When there's not that divide, it takes rethinking that entire process altogether. When you say agency, you mean recruitment marketing agency, not staffing. Yeah, that's right. Recruitment marketing agencies, rethinking this idea of brand and process and tools to be more effective recruitment marketers. So. That, I just want to tie something back that you mentioned earlier when we were talking about the fact that there are essential workers out there and that the shift in the labor market, you touched on wages 
And I see a, a big shift towards pay transparency, just in terms of what a job pays. Colorado last year at this time, I think they passed some legislation that said you must advertise the wage range or the pay rate. New York's just done the same thing. And so it's putting a lot of pressures on organizations to change. And now companies are being forced into this pay transparency. Do you feel it's important? What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I I support transparency in all things, what's in it for the job seeker, if that makes sense. You know, I think the idea of leaving it open for interpretation, whether it be going to Glassdoor, reviewing information from current employees, whatever it may be, we live in a society today that whether it's through a connection network, a a vertical specific review site, Glassdoor, I think people will find what they're looking for. (laughs) So I feel for companies, it's important to be as transparent as possible. Also today, job seekers are making a a decision. There's this calculation that's happening to say, do I want to apply for your job? And if we don't share and we aren't open about what the true opportunity looks like, then you could potentially lose those candidates that you would otherwise be able to attract if you were transparent and showing how great of an opportunity it is. I do think it becomes tricky in some cases because companies are going to need to think about what the opportunity really is and how I can convey that to job seekers. They're making a choice, more jobs than we've seen. And they're looking to choose you and they're looking to submit their information for a chance to be hired. And so anything that we can do is important. I'll give you an example of one of the product enhancements we made last year. One of the things that's a little tricky in job search is that a job description is a blob of text. It's a blob of text and it's a job ad. And because it's a blob of text, there's a lot of information there. Mm -hmm. But unlike other industries, there's, there's not a lot of data normalization. It's just a blob of text. And yeah. so one of the things we ended up doing is we ended up creating a way where we could extract meaningful information from a blob of text, from a file or from a job ad, and actually surface that in the search results to job seekers. If an employer did not you know, specify in our system or any system what the salary was, but in the blob of text, it said 14 to $19 an hour, we would extract that from the blob of text and surface that in the search results so that when a job seeker is actually connecting and making that decision to apply, we can surface it earlier in that process. And that's really important to think about the decision process that job seekers are making today. Saying that competitive pay is, is not enough, is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah, it's not about money. It's about this kind of clearing opportunity of what's going on behind the scenes. When I share this with companies that are competing with talent, with some of the marketplaces, my conversation with those companies is you need to talk about the opportunity of upward mobility within your organization. That's something that in some cases, the marketplaces can't give you. If you want to be a manager, if you want to move up, that's super important for job seekers. Again, it's not a transactional relationship. And you need to be thinking about it as more of a connection, more of a community. One of the things that you pointed out, organizations have a really hard time defining 
what growing in that company means. A lot of managers can't really communicate what that means, small and big. Big has a lot more resources to be able to do that. You talk a lot about the job seeker journey, right? We want to make it easier. We want to give them the information they need to be able to make that decision. And what I'm seeing in the marketplace, and I've been seeing this for a really long time as far as the data of how many people are going to look for jobs on a mobile phone and how many people want to apply from a mobile phone. And there is that perception that trades and service and hospitality are not sophisticated in a sense, and they're not going to apply in a job. I mean, it's actually the opposite. The data shows that tradespeople apply and look at the jobs on phones more than anything else. The data I've seen is 60 to 80% of jobs are looked on a mobile phone. In Canada, anyways, and in the US, it's a little bit more advanced than we are. A lot of the sites are, first of all, not mobile responsive. And secondly, there's really no way to apply. So you've got the person hooked, ready to apply, and now you're either giving them a bad experience and you're bouncing them off to go to a desktop. A lot of these folks don't have desktop. I know a lot of people that just do everything on their mobile phones. Putting that in perspective, why do you think companies are not seeing this and adapting when 80% of your traffic is a particular medium and we're not making any adjustments at all? I think it's a few things. Going back to what we were chatting about earlier around the idea of the ATS and compliance and not something that's focused on conversions. The other key is the all-powerful resume yeah, and how we think about the resume as being the key to entering into the applicant tracking system. And most of these users may not have a resume. We surveyed employers and job seekers, and we were digging into this and trying to understand, all right, do you require a resume in your apply process? And then how many job seekers actually have a resume on their mobile device? And so what we found is, I think the stat was almost 70% of employers require a resume to apply in mobile experience. and they don't have a resume on their mobile device and they may not even have a resume. So this idea of conversion being a a key conversation that needs to happen with with recruiting organizations. We want to make it easy to connect with people and let's figure out all of the other things that need to happen. But first we need to get people in that we can talk to and try to convert and hire them. But if we don't have any candidates top of funnel and we're creating a challenge for them to even enter our process, then we need to rethink that altogether. I think it's the resume. I think it's mobile. I think it's this idea of the applicant tracking system, uh, compliance. I will say there are a lot of great companies looking to solve this and focused on conversion rate and Mm -hmm. focused on how we can create engagement. And I'm excited for that because when you pair the ability to ensure you're driving, you know, top of funnel quality candidates Mm-hmm. With an engaging experience mid-funnel and, and converting them, there's a lot of opportunity to think about that entire process. But as recruiting leaders and teams, it's not just about the applicant tracking system anymore. The perfect example is drivers. Drivers, and when they're applying, are going to be doing on a mobile phone the great majority right. of the time. And what you know as a company to get it started is, what's your name? 
What's your email address? What's your phone number? And do you have your class, whatever classification right. that you need for that particular role? The rest can all be captured l- later in the process. Yeah. So I want that to talk a little bit more about this exciting stuff coming because we'd love to hear what you feel is going to start to disrupt that. Because I hear what you're saying. If you're applying on a mobile phone and you're using this applicant tracking system that is designed to make your life difficult... I get it. Like, I do understand compliance. The only solution that they seem to keep coming back to, we'll just use the applicant tracking system and fill in our form. Oh my God, have you ever tried to do that on a phone? No, they're just not going to do it. So how do we get off the hamster wheel? That is there hope? (laughs) I think there's hope and I see it. And a lot of great companies are looking to solve this problem. I think of it like Salesforce. Yeah. Love Salesforce, great product, but would you ever want to send a prospect to Salesforce? <laughs> However, your system works, right? Would you, no, you have to work with your marketing team and you build landing pages and you use third party services to ensure that you represent the brand. But we would never want our customers using anything in our instance of Salesforce. <laughs> we just wouldn't. That's how I think about it, is I think of it as if I look at our marketing and sales stack. It is pretty advanced. You know, we're using a lot of systems to generate landing pages. We're using a lot of systems to ensure that we're bringing top of funnel leads to our sales team. And we have to take a page from that book and think about things differently. And maybe the applicant tracking system was never made to do this just as Salesforce was never really made to do any of this. And the good news, there is a lot of tools. There's never been as much investment in the HR tech space as there was last year, like 18 billion. And it's probably going to be higher this year. There is a lot of tools out there, which can create a lot of noise for TA practitioners in determining what the right tool is. I want to bounce back to something you said at the start when we talk about metrics. We've always looked at like time to fill, time to hire, job volume. Should we be aligning more marketing-related metrics? And what do you think those should be? What should we be measuring as a TA organization? So the first I mentioned is the, the time in which it takes you to contact yes. a job seeker, an applicant. Super important. And there are tools to ensure that you are decreasing that time. And that's a metric that you can rally around and rally your team around. I think that's the first. The other is, if we think of the sales and marketing funnel, is a marketing qualified lead. Everything that we are thinking about around Taoru that we see is it's about driving quality and scale for our customers. And so an example of one of the things that we implemented about six, eight months ago is the idea of adding qualifying questions before we connect a job seeker to an employer's landing page. Because we want to understand if this candidate is going to go through this process and fill out a form and raise their hand and say, I want to come work for you. We think the best way is to understand that beforehand. (laughs) Because if you think of the time-honored problem in our industry, it's the black hole. We've been hearing about it for years where people apply to jobs and they don't hear back. Part of that is because they may be applying for jobs they're not quite qualified for. So if we can somehow surface what's important to an employer before time of apply in more of that job search experience, then we can filter and we can save job seekers time if they don't have the right you know, qualifications that an employer is looking for. This idea of a marketing qualified lead, the idea of 
of qualified applicant is really important and something that we can really think about and rally teams around. There's also how many interviews did we have? And from that experience of interviews, you know, what happened? And then we're going to work with our hiring manager and send out an offer. And that's like a customer signing an MSA. Yeah. And so did you close that candidate or did you not close that candidate? And those are some metrics that we can really rally around, whether it's looking at what's performant, what may not be performant, but also as talent acquisition leaders in that funnel, what step is breaking down and where do I need to invest? Whether it's in technology, whether it's training, or whether it's ensuring that we're tracking the right metrics. I'm so glad you mentioned one of those metrics, the offer acceptance rate. Because when we talk about recruiters being like marketers, I think also they should be like sales. Part of a sales process is closing at every step. So when you get to the end, the deal is closed. You should be in a position that your recruiters are closing 98% of the people. It should be a foregone conclusion. So I'm glad you brought that one up. It's one that recruiters, we can definitely do a better job. But on that note, incredible information that you've shared. I think these are all things that are very actionable for anyone listening. Think like a marketer, think like a salesperson as well. I think those are core elements. But that's so glad that you came on. If anyone wants to get a hold of you, what's the easiest way and where should they go look for more information on Telru? Absolutely. Feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn, or you can send me an email at tprice at talru.com. Perfect. Awesome. And we will have you on show again, because this was fantastic. <laughs> Happy to demystify you know, anything uh, that you need help on or, or dig into like job board programmatic, profile driven programmatic, a new bucket, which is really important because my prediction is you're going to see a lot of traditional job sites move into profile-driven programmatic, which is the programmatic methodology in an existing job board ecosystem. I completely agree. We talk a lot about programmatic overall on this show because the adoption of programmatic in Canada is extremely low, which drives me absolutely insane. Shelly is sick of me talking about programmatic. So I would love to dig in deeper and we'll have you on to discuss that in depth because it's where it's going. Thad, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Take care. Thank you. Thanks, Thad. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.